Thank you for listening to Room 9, my daddy's podcast. Hope you enjoy. If you would like to help Room 9, please visit their support page. You can listen to Room 9 on your favorite podcast listening platform. Don't forget to visit our Instagram and Facebook page. Please like it. Room 9, if you better yourself, you better the world. Hey, everybody. It's another episode of Room 9. And thank you for joining me. You guys are amazing. The support that I have gotten over the last handful of years is quite amazing. I am coming up on episode 100. I don't know whether to call it episode 100 because it's technically going to be the 100th episode, podcast episode I have created, but it is technically not number 100 because I did a bunch of episodes for other treatment providers and I kind of just count that as a separate series. So I've never numbered those as regular episodes, but technically episode 100 is coming up. So that's pretty cool. Anywho, and in this episode of Room 9, I sit down with two members from Compeer Buffalo. They are a peer service. They also have other locations out in Rochester. But I talk with the CEO, Tim Bowling, and the Director of Mental Health Education, Katie Walsh. And we have just a cool, chilled back, laid back conversation, which I expect nothing else from this show. And we just talk about what Compeer is, how they got involved with it, their passions, why they're doing what they're doing, and all that other jazz. So I hope you enjoy it. The only updates as of now I have for you is the email for the t-shirts has gone out. We are just struggling to, I should say we, I am. I'll tell you what, I've had more failures over the last few years than I have had successes. Good thing, good thing I'm learning from them because it is just one thing after another. I have to, I have to get better at, um, what is it that I have to get better at? Making systems, creating systems for my, my work because it can get overwhelming very quickly when it's just one person kind of running things. So that's happening. Thank you again, guys, for your patience, your support. You are all so amazing and awesome, and I will be talking to you next week. Much love. Peace out. Later. I was obviously, people always think of um, Joe Rogan. Oh, okay. That's what I usually get. I feel like Joe Rogan right now. Yeah. I feel like I'm on a legitimate show or something. It is legit. Well, it what is. the hell is that? But I mean? mean, I mean, like, <laughs> I feel what like. The oh, I feel like I'm on an actual podcast. I feel like I'm on, like, Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> Jimmy Fallon. Oh, this is great. That's a dream. Oh, man. All right. Right off the bat, I get insulted. So that's great. Good start. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we could bring it up temperature down for you. <laughs> well, no, but I'm I'm grateful to be here. Um, I don't know. I keep this super casual. I love it. I mean, really, I don't. I told you I don't look at downloads because I don't really care. Mm-hmm. I just love this. is a great networking tool. I have met some amazing people. I've got to end up working with amazing people because of this. So I just I'm always going to do it for fun, and I don't really care who listens to it. My favorite compliment I got was. I felt like I was with you and your guests having coffee. So that's what I like and that's what it's all about. And I guess usually I just started like, well, what the hell got you guys into this position where you're in now? Tim, I mean, we have a little history going right. back, way back. I don't even know how old I was the last time I seen you. Yeah, I don't know. Oh my goodness. I, it's got to be 20 years ago. 
At least, yeah. Right. I don't even know if I hit puberty the last time I seen you. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know how old you are right, right now. So I don't. I know. just started, how long did I? September thirty five. Thirty five. Thirty five. Okay. Yeah. I feel it goes back probably twenty five years then. Maybe. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Uh, you I know, was one. Were you? <laughs> oh my goodness. Through your parents, obviously through Kaz. Yeah. Through Kaz and Good old, Park Baptist Church back in the day. Good old Kaz Church. Yeah. Still pumping. Yeah. Still going. <laughs> Still going strong. So yeah, well, let's do a little round table since I got two of you here, Tim Bolling and Katie Walsh. Correct, I got that right. I'm doing good so far. Uh, you know, what got what brought you here? Pretty much, essentially, what what is your passion? Do you always have a passion to work for nonprofits? Because I feel like most people that are in this position, you have to be in that mindset. Like, I want to help people. I want to work with people. I'll start. Here you go with that, Katie. For me personally, I'll be here four years in October. I was at Cradle Beach. Um, what I call two tours of duty. I was there for one time for five years and a second time for 10 years. So for combined about 15 years. So Cradle Beach is focused on kids with disabilities. And then we had a lot of kids that were duly diagnosed though as well. And so we served children between the ages of nine to 16. And while I was there, one of the things we did was expand from our summer program to year round programming. And we started a program called Project SOAR. So long story short, we were in six Buffalo public schools. We had about 26 full-time staff going among the schools, working with. Each staff member had a group of 10 kids. But a lot of the kids that we were serving in the school, you could tell, had a lot of learning disabilities that uh, that we were working with. But they also had a lot of mental health challenges. Uh, so they may not have been diagnosed uh, with their mental health challenges, but they just from interacting with them, you knew they had some challenges that they were mm-hmm. experiencing. So that was kind of eye-opening to me. And at the end of Cradle Beach, it just got to a point that, you know, I'd been there for 15 years combined. It was time for, I mean, really start looking for something else. And what challenges me all the time personally is trying to take an organization to the next level. So it just so happened to be at that time, Compere was looking for an executive director uh, but what really had interest me in the position, uh, one was the mental health side, but the other side of it was at that time, Compere Buffalo was merging with what was called Compere Inc. Incorporated, which okay. was in Rochester. So Compere Inc. Uh, was overseeing about 50 Compere affiliates uh, in four countries and in eight states. So that merging where Compere Inc. was coming into Compere Buffalo and Compere Buffalo was going to be overseeing that, that really enticed me. That really interested me. Um, I really wanted to be a part of something that was, you know, Buffalo's great and I love Buffalo. I've always been in, in Buffalo except for a short period of my career. But being a part of something that's on that scale, I think was really exciting to try to grow that. And really Really honestly, being here for the last four years, it couldn't have been a better time, personally and professionally. I mean, mental health has really taken off in the sense that more and more people are talking about it than they've ever been. Absolutely. Uh, the, the stigma isn't as great as it was. You know, there's, there's still stigma, obviously, around it, but not the, the needle's definitely moving in the right direction. Uh, so there's still a lot of work to be done. So a lot of that just falling into place has always has made this really uh, just really more of a passion, you know, for me every day. And I think that a lot of the staff would, would say the same thing. And you're the CEO, correct? I am the CEO, that okay. is correct. Yeah, it's interesting because this you mentioned the stigma, and now I've been, what do I have? Was it two and a half years, maybe almost three years clean from a heroin addiction? And that you know, with mental health stigma and substance use stigma, even I slip into it all the time. So I just won, I got a grant when I first started my company through Access VR. Okay, yep. And because, you know, substance use is considered a disability. So I won in New York State Entrepreneur of the Year 
for the state for oh, that's somebody great. with a disability. But I didn't want to like I didn't want to win it because it says disability. Like this is how bad you get sucked into it. Somebody yeah. who myself who promotes this is what I'm building in company to help end this. And I caught myself right in the middle of it. Like I don't want to tell people I won this for a disability. Sure, <laughs> sure it makes sense. So it's just so hard to get out of that, even when you're trying to be aware of it all the time. It's so difficult to kind of like just end it so yeah but I, we have come a long way and i'm grateful so i've forgiven myself for that and, <laughs> no, congratulations and, and i didn't know you won that so yeah i just found out yesterday oh really yeah oh yeah. my goodness yeah literally just found out because oh. i think they do it in october or something okay yeah congratulations yeah. for the entire state yeah state wow that's yeah. great Wow. Which is funny because then I was like, I'm glad they don't check your bank account to see if uh, <laughs> you're actually making money. But no, no, it, was, it was pretty awesome. So, Great. Congratulations. Uh, enough about me. Katie Walsh, why are you here? What is your position? What are you doing? What are you passionate about? All that jazz. Yeah. So I am currently the director of mental health education here at Compere. I've been with Compere three years in October. And pretty much it was... It wasn't the first job right out of college, but shortly thereafter, it definitely was. So um, it was my passion to work at a nonprofit. I graduated with my master's in social work from Damon College in 2017. And awesome. I always knew that I wanted to do more of a macro level social work, you know, policy and training and getting out there in the community and educating them on whatever topic. And I've always had a passion for mental health. You know, my previous internships or my previous work while in school was always with nonprofits. And that's where I kind of always saw myself. So when the position opened up for, uh, I started as a youth engagement coordinator in one of our programs, you know, it kind of just fell into place and I, I fell in love with it. And my, my job has definitely evolved just in the three years that I've been here. And I am doing more of that community outreach for mental health. And I just, I love it. I couldn't, couldn't imagine myself right now doing anything else but also trying to contribute to breaking down that stigma of mental health in all the communities. Yeah, that's great. What did you say your position was again? Director of Mental Health Education. Director of Mental Health Education. I find mm-hmm. I find in this industry there's just so many different names for the same exact position, but uh, yeah. usually that position means that you do like everything and it has nothing to do with actual just the title in and of itself. Katie's title <laughs> is, is new. It, it is, is new. Just, it is a it's new. It's just position. changed the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, she's doing an amazing job. Correct me, Katie, if I'm wrong. How many mental health trainings did we do in 2019? Like 14, 1,500? Yeah, so... Trained that many people. Not people, that, not yeah. That we've trained people. about 1,500 people last year. Yeah, okay. in total, since we've started in the last six years now, it's been, it's over 5,000 people. Yeah. So. And what, so what is uh, involved in the, the training? Is it just how to deal with people that are struggling with challenges in mental health or pretty much it's uh it's called mental health first aid there's a couple different curriculums that you can take one being if you're an adult working with youth there's a curriculum for that and then you know if you're an adult working with adults and then most recently there's a teen mental health first aid that we have yet to launch because we are waiting to go back and in person with some some kids but the bottom line of the training is is like CPR for your brain. So mm-hmm. it is your basic first aid on how to help somebody who's experiencing mental health challenges or even if they're in a mental health crisis. Um, and the idea behind it is that you're equipped with the skills and the knowledge to have the confidence to approach somebody and help them um, and connect them to the appropriate help, even if you have no background in mental health or you know, even if you don't know a single thing about it or what to recognize, this will kind of be a, a starting point for you to be able to get somebody that initial help. Great. And that just started when like COVID happened or have you guys been kind of pushing this out? We've been doing mental health first aid before I came. 
Oh, uh, so it's about been a year. For yeah, a while, so okay. we had a SAMHSA grant. It was probably was called Project Aware. Uh, so we were doing it on a smaller scale. Uh, Carl Shallowhorn uh, was was uh, an employee with us and also a employee with the MHA Mental Health Associate, so a shared employee. So he was doing that at the time. But it's really taken off the last the last three years, uh, especially last year. A lot of schools, a lot of colleges. It just really has uh, a lot of people once they hear about it, really want to put their staff or volunteers or whoever. Uh, I mean, people in the community want to go through the training. It's generally about an eight-hour training. You can split it up into two four-hour segments. Okay. But it is, you walk out of there, so you're just more empowered and you're more educated on being able to, and more aware when somebody in your life is having some type of mental health crisis. You're not a counselor. Uh, you're really there to help direct them to services and support that they need at that time. Yeah. Which is, I mean, huge. <laughs> yeah. It's just not enough being talked about in homes. You grew up all the time feeling ashamed. So why we don't ever talk about this in my house. Why would I ever bring it up to anybody else? And I mean, think about it pre-COVID and how it was and now think about it. Still, we're still in COVID. Yep. I mean, that the, the numbers are just skyrocketing all around. I mean, today is National Suicide Prevention mm-hmm. Day. I mean, mm-hmm. so uh, just the numbers are really skyrocketing all over when it comes to anxiety and depression and, and suicide. Yeah. Even now with the COVID piece. Sorry, Kate, I didn't mean to cut No, it's 41% of people seek treatment for a mental health condition or any type of, you know, signs or symptoms that they're having. So that's more than half of people don't seek that professional treatment. So when you're trained as mental health first aider in our curriculum, you can be that help to that person because, you know, more than half of people are not getting that treatment. They're going to support systems or they're going to other people in their life before that or not at all. Mm-hmm. And so to have that, to be able to recognize for some people is is really critical in the community. Otherwise, you're not tapping into half of the people getting, getting the proper help for what they're experiencing. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things I found that happens when you start speaking up, I guess I should say that happens when you don't speak up, is you feel like you're the only person who ever is thinking that way or feeling that way. And you're like, oh, well, this this has got to be normal, right? So sometimes you don't even know there's an issue to even look at. So doing this education thing, somebody can just learn, oh, wait, I'm actually, I actually struggle with that. And that's not a normal thing to struggle with. Maybe I should go talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Or it is a very normal thing at the same time. Yeah, yeah there's mm-hmm. two sides of that coin that, you know, you're not the only one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A yep. lot of other people are struggling. They're just not talking about it. So people... We find that the younger generation is just way more open talking about their mental health challenges than the older generation. And I think that's part of the stigma, you know, yeah. uh, of, of with that as well. But, you know, Katie does a fantastic job with it. And it's one of our premier programs that we have. Yeah, that's fantastic. And you said how many people have you educated? So since we started the training, it's uh, I don't have the exact number because it's ever changing, but mm-hmm. we're definitely over 5,000 people. That's awesome. Yeah. I think we started when we started in 2014, we trained 80 people the entire year. So, you know, last year we we trained 1,500. So the growth is just incredible. The amount of people that we've been able to reach to to give this training to so that they can go out and help people is just it's just the beginning really for us. Yeah, as part of that training, so we're in we're in uh, Lackawanna schools. We work with okay. middle school students and high school students in a program called Lackawanna Leaders. It's our school-based program. So as part of that program, uh, we train the teachers as well. So they, they go through the training as well. And I want to say around 60, 65 teachers maybe have gone through the training like the last two, three years through our, our relationship with Lackawanna as well. So we're expanding that program from Lackawanna over to Maryvale schools. And then we're doing a smaller program 
probably team mental health first aid, I think, with Star Point schools as well. So the schools, you know, they'll tell you, and when we hear from them, it's like you know, they don't have the resources to meet the needs of the kids that are in the school. Generally, there's one counselor for a couple yeah, hundred I students. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. You know, so from firsthand experience with some of that. So, you know, a lot of the counselors that are in there are providing guidance counseling for where the kids want to go to college or not go to college, but the actual counseling, the social work, piece there just isn't enough of them mm-hmm. um, and then what's going to come out of this again this whole COVID thing and they're going to need 10 times more than they thought they needed before going into it because the numbers are just going to skyrocket of the challenges with that so our Lackawanna program we've been in there three years this is now the fourth year of going into the school at different levels we started with the middle school and we've expanded to the high school but we'll work with around 60 to 70 75 students who are referred over by the teachers of, of having some type of mental health okay. challenges um, and so again we're not providing licensed counseling. Compare is not a, not a licensed agency providing counseling. Uh, what we're providing is mentorship, friend for somebody, a lot of one-to-one work and support, and a lot of group mentoring going on at that time. Uh, the kids are coming to school with all sorts of challenges before they ever get to the academic piece of, of home life. And a lot of the older kids are, they'll tell you, they're sleeping on couches at the friends' houses and some of them have kids. And so, so the challenges that they're experiencing yeah. go way beyond how they did on that math test that day. They're not even prepared to learn that because of all the other challenges that they're experiencing and not getting the help and support that they need. So that's been a great program. Uh, and I just wanted to share that real quick because it's, it is tied with mental health first aid, kind of work hand in hand with the school as well. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely. I have a lot of teachers in my family, and my mom's inner city. My sister, I guess technically she'd be inner city as well. And they are, um, I mean, some of the stuff you hear at the homes for young people, it's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's really heartbreaking at times when you hear some stuff. And right. So it's awesome you're doing it. So I guess I should have asked this in the beginning. What exactly does Compeer is? Do they have a specific age group they work with? Are you just kind of younger, high school, elementary, or is it just whatever? Well, we, a few years ago, our, our, our primary focus, we had one program and the mental health first aid piece was going, but it was, it was fairly small. We had one program that, that is a one-to-one match program. So someone who comes to us is referred to us by an agency or by their doctor or counselor they're looking for a friend somebody one-to-one that they can be matched with. What normally happens to them by the time they come to us, they're just at the beginning stages of their mental health challenges that they're having. And what has happened in their life most of the time is they start losing their friends and their friends don't want to hang out with them anymore because they don't want to do anything anymore. Uh, So it only exasperates the problem. You know, they they kind of isolate themselves. Loneliness is a huge Mm. issue for folks in general across the with the spectrum. So that's what the typical person looks like that comes to us and their counselor says, well, have you ever contacted Compeer? You know, they match individuals, you know, like yourself with a friend and then you'll have a, a consistent caring friend in your life checking in on you, seeing how you're doing. That's our core program, the one-to-one match piece. And for that program, we serve older adults, so seniors. And okay. We serve adults, we serve children and youth, and we serve veterans. So we serve all across all four areas. And that's who Compere was for a long time. Uh, what we started doing then, the school-based program is, instead of waiting people always to come to us, how can we go to them? You got to play offense yeah, a little too. Yeah, absolutely. Let's be more proactive and let's get out into the community more. So that's where mental health first aid really took off. So we got more folks trained and it just by happened, you know, that mental health in general nationally was being talked about a lot more. So we're in the kind of the right place at the right time. And then the school-based program with Lackawanna. So we went into the Lackawanna schools really to take the program kind of under. And we've done that with our seniors as well. We've gone into a couple of different nursing homes. I know we have a relationship that we're building with another assisted living facility at this point. So we're really trying uh, to be more proactive and get out into the community and take what we have to the people instead of always waiting for folks 
to come to us. And the important thing that we try to stress to folks is we are a non-clinical provider, so we do not provide licensed counseling to individuals. But what we have found is a lot of our clients or friends that we call that come to us, we're seeing a counselor at Best Self or Horizon or wherever they're going. If you could layer into their life somebody from Compeer, it helps them to achieve their treatment plan even better. Now you got somebody when, you know, part of their treatment plan is to get back out there and go to places. Mm -hmm. As we all know here, you don't have to go anywhere if you don't want to. (laughs) You just get on your computer and order anything you want from Amazon or Walmart. So the reason to leave the house, yeah, you don't need to leave the house. (laughs) A lot of people realize that during COVID how little you need to leave the house. Mm -hmm. And so that only exasperates the problem though. If your problem is loneliness and social isolation and you don't ever have to leave to go to the store, you need somebody to call you and say, come on, let's go here. Let's go do that or let's do this let's mm-hmm. go for a walk in the park so that's where comp here comes in to really helps to uh really achieve that treatment plan that that person is is seeing at best self or some counselor over there and just layering in, into that piece so that's where we were for a number of years so serving that population and then the expansion piece of going more into the schools and really mental health first aid has really taken off a number of our staff are trained and probably almost probably 80 percent of our existing staff are trained in some either adult mental health first aid mental health first maybe not that high, maybe close to 60 or 70 percent so at any given time somebody can go out and do a training okay um and then we have They're some train per- the train yeah okay right and then we have some per diem trainers <laughs> okay at, as well just when things really start picking up uh for that so we started in 1973 uh, bernice skirbel is our founder uh her she goes by bunny she lives in rochester and also half the year and then half the year in florida and she has an amazing story of, of of a car accident that she was in and how she really looks back on that time where she couldn't leave the hospital and really friends of hers really helped to rally her and she looked back in on that, that time and really uh, knew that she the doctors really helped her medically, but her friends helped her mentally to get through that very difficult time that didn't look like she was going to survive the severe car accident back in, in that time. And so she started a smaller program and worked with some folks, and then she just started Compeer. And at one point, Compeer had over 100 affiliates worldwide. Oh, that's great. Um, and she, she's got some great pictures with some pretty uh, famous people. Really? Yeah. She, she has been around, but <laughs> mm-hmm. she's a ball of fire, and we're so fortunate to have her as a huge champion for what we do. Yeah, it is, it's like that. It is kind of like that icing on the cake for your you know recovery, whether it's from mental health or you know substance use, whatever. Do you find you have a lot of people? Obviously, I usually know the answer to this. That struggle with substance use and mental health as well. We do uh, definitely the mental health piece. Uh, we don't. If somebody is really far along uh, in their mental health crisis or challenges that they're going through, they may be beyond our ability mm-hmm. uh, to do too much because we're not a licensed clinical. Yeah organization. So we don't serve a lot of individuals that have severe substance abuse issues. Um, we're generally getting folks at the beginning onset of their mental health okay. challenges. Some stuff is just beyond us and we don't we don't want to pretend or and, and we want to be legit you know, of what we can and, and can't do with that. So it's generally, you know, depression, anxiety, bipolar, uh, some of those things. We don't get heavily into the substance. And we're not going to say that all the clients we have, some of them don't have it, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not something that is our area of expertise because we don't provide counseling. Yeah in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, like a supplemental layer to their treatment they're already receiving for their recovery of mm-hmm. whatever they're mm-hmm. experiencing. So what about, um, what do they just talk to that are going in police stations and that? Do you guys have any like plans for growth as far as you know going farther? Obviously, you got the schools which that in and of itself is a challenge to get into all the schools and talk with all the teens. But, you know, yeah, just this idea sparks in me like, wow, we should really start spreading this everywhere. Teachers, students trying to think, I think it's Endeavor Health that they just started a program. I think the Cheektowaga police 
Crisis Services has a program with the police department as well as a CIT. CIT training, yeah. CIT training. So it's a, it's a lot more in depth than, than mental health first aid. Yeah. But we are working more. We've had more interest from law enforcement than we've ever had. Our focus have, you can talk more to this because you're in the trenches with, Katie can talk more to this because she gets all the calls and all the folks we're working with. But over history here, it's been heavily with the colleges and universities, mm-hmm. a lot with school districts and then the community ones. But then there's some targeted populations we've been trying to reach yeah. out to like, um, like transportation, like bus drivers. Right. Folks that interact with the public a lot are kind of prime target folks that we would love to have go through the training. Mm-hmm. CIT training and mental health first aid training are, you know, similar, but they're still very different. From my knowledge, CIT gets gets a lot more specific and it's, you know, strictly for police officers okay. in that in that field. Mental health first aid is meant to, you know, you leave the training with an action plan, an acronym action plan called ALGI. And we go through all of that in the training. But the idea behind that is, uh, you know, whatever situation you're in, be it a mild situation or a severe situation, that's something easy you can recall upon because it's basic nature things. You know, how to listen to somebody, how to give appropriate reassurance and information to people. It's still, no matter what profession you're in, it's still a good training to have in your back pocket because it might be easier to, you know, recall and use those strategies more than something more specific in a in a training that you would have used. Getting into those specialized populations, like we say, are are a little bit more difficult. You know, prior to COVID, we've had some modules that we could have done with the training for those specific populations. So for example, if you know a nursing home or a police station or a fire fighter station wanted to have the mental health first aid curriculum, we have a module that can tailor it to firefighters and to police. That was better because they were getting specific information from mental health first aid that was relative to what they were doing. Um, You know, now with the the pandemic and everything, things are ever changing and it looks a little different. So we are not able to provide those modules right now, but that doesn't mean that the training is still not important. So yeah, we do have people in those different professions that we're trying to to get the training in. But I also think with Compeer in general, those are great opportunities to have volunteers um, from those you know, different professions and different populations in the community to be a friend to someone on our waiting list. Um, So I think we're, as an organization, actively, you know, looking at the groups that we haven't had um, much connection with right now for all different areas, mental health first aid and just being a friend Mm -hmm. to someone on our list. Do you guys, do you have a lot of people on a waiting list? Yeah, for for folks that want to be matched one-to-one. We had a lot more people, believe it or not, (laughs) before COVID started. Uh, And what we did is then we started what we call the phone buddy program. Program so people couldn't meet like we're meeting right now during COVID, mm-hmm. especially the early starts of you know March and April and May and June. Yeah. So we had an existing phone buddy program, but we never really pushed it too much because we really encouraged the face to face. But then we flipped it, and then by flipping it, <laughs> so we picked much up of a choice. Yeah, and we picked up probably ninety to a hundred volunteers. Okay. We match with our clients. So a lot of their folks that were on our waiting list have come off the waiting list. Awesome. So going cool. into it, we had a lot. And if that was really targeted for our adult population. The youth don't really want to do the phone buddy program, but our adult and our seniors, they like that. Uh, the youth, you know, they, they, it didn't really appeal too much to them, phone buddy component. But we almost tripled our numbers from 2019 to 2022, uh, a number of people served strictly because of the phone buddy program. So we took an opportunity where everybody was kind of shutting things down to kind of how 
how can we ramp things up and really be there for people now who are really even struggling even more because they can't leave their homes? How can we give them somebody mm-hmm. a level of support? So, And we even, um, you know, we're kind of unique in the fact that we serve our wait list. So even if you're waiting for a one-to-one mentor, because we found that, you know, someone doesn't always need that one-to-one mentor, but they need some type of friendship or support mentorship. And so we have a, a program that does, you know, social activities is kind of what we call it. And we have a staff member that controls all of that. And, you know, we would have four to six, anywhere from their activities a month, again, prior to COVID, going out to the park, or we got everybody a pass to go to the museum, or we had everybody out to our our center for art night and just kind of socialized. And while they waited for a friend, they still had some support from Compere. And, you know, since COVID had had begun, we moved that to Zoom meetings Mm -hmm. on every Wednesday, you know, we do bingo on Zoom, or we do trivia night on Zoom. And now since, you know, some of the guidelines are opening a little bit we are doing social distance like activities in the park and so we're still engaging those people who are waiting for a one-to-one friend or maybe don't ever want a one-to-one friend but they want some support from us as an organization so something really unique to us I think that we've also been able to thrive in during during all of this mm-hmm. yeah I think you just need to change it from um or not from, but add phone buddy or FaceTime or Snapchat buddy. <laughs> right. And Seriously. I'm sure the teens would be all about, oh, yeah, yeah I'd love to. <laughs> right. Phone buddy. What the hell is uh, that? What am I going to do with that? <laughs> <laughs> What's a phone? You got to actually talk on the phone <laughs> like that? Text buddy. <laughs> Text buddy? Yeah, I call it something else. <laughs> so, Katie, I noticed you, you light up talking about this. You're passionate. Yo, so what else you got for me? What else do you want me to know? What else do you want people who are going to listen to this to know? I want to hear from you because you are extra, extra pumped up about this. <laughs> Not that Tim isn't. Well, that, thank you for that. I do. I do love what I do and what we represent. And I just think, you know, with one in five people living with a mental illness um, or have the potential to live with one, whether you are an adolescent, an older adult, adult, an adult, whatever, I think it's important to, you know, be able to talk about it in the community and be able to reduce that stigma even more. Like Tim said, you know, we've been progressing really great for the last couple of years as a, as opposed to talking about it and as opposed to, you know, people actually asking for help and openly talking about challenges. But taking the training can open up a lot for yourself um, noticing things and also the, you know, it's not, we do a lot of things for professional settings, but it's not just professional settings. We always preface our trainings where, yeah, we're here in the school with you today, but how many of you have a daughter or a son at home or a, a you know, a spouse or a family member or somebody, somebody in, some, in everyone's life is going to be impacted by mental health. Yeah, at least mm-hmm. one person, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's cool right now that we're doing virtual trainings actually, so we can reach people still because we know how important that this training is. And then maybe if you take the training, you find yourself better equipped to notice these things and you'll feel more confident becoming a Compere volunteer for us too. And so we kind of hope that full circle happens because we really want to support our community and the volunteers and people that come to us with mental health. We want to be that kind of catalyst for mental health in general um, for our community and for people who are struggling and need and need the support yeah and did you say i don't know if we were recording when you said did you say you had a couple of people from the uk on 
Yeah. 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 Yesterday we had a training from uh, some people from New York City, some people from the UK. We've had people from uh, California, Carolina, Pennsylvania, all over. And it's it's really cool. We have n- we would have never had that opportunity prior to mm-hmm. COVID because it's never been virtual. And it's still meant to be an in-person training because of the heavy topic mm-hmm. of what we're yeah. talking about. But, you know, something good does come out of COVID, I guess. <laughs> No, there is. There's silver linings. You just got to look for them. Mm-hmm. That, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I've always been, I was always grateful for it because, because not because I'm broke, but because, um, <laughs> <laughs> because I got, it was almost like everything went on pause. So I got to just keep continuing brushing up on all my skills, you know, whether it's graphic design, whatever it is, I got to keep brushing up on them. And then it was like, you know, once things go back to normal, it's like unpause and snap of fingers, almost my skills improved. So, yeah, yeah. Nice. you know, any, any project that I had lined up that's been on hold, it's going to get done that much better. So that's kind of how I looked at it and yeah. Got a positive out of it. Mm-hmm. Kind of build the infrastructure while you can't do the other things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when it when it does open back up, that's kind of the way we looked at it too. Or, you know, we redid our logic model. We just did, we've done a lot of things that uh, we probably always have wanted to do, and now we had the time to do it because we weren't we had to adjust and pivot on yep. some, some of these things. But now coming out of it, we're so much better prepared for mm-hmm. some of these things. So uh, we're looking at our we're looking at our logo. We're, like, we're just looking at a lot of different things that kind of get put on the back burner when you're kind of in the trenches. Uh, all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's why I need to create a position for somebody like me to start working with companies to do all of that stuff, fun stuff and connect with people on YouTube and vlogs and everything else. Yeah. I'm going to make it happen one way or another. <laughs> so, somehow, some way, mm-hmm. whoever's listening, just be ready because it's going to happen. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't, it's just it's tough. I mean, especially now with the cutbacks and the funding and all that. Have you guys been affected a lot by all that? I know some companies have, others haven't. Yeah, we have. And in some areas, especially when it comes to government funding, we've been told to expect a 20% cut. We get substantial funds from Erie County Department of Mental Health. So we're preparing for that for next year. Uh, this year, though, we've, we were fortunate. We've, we've had a really good year both programmatically and financially. We had some great foundations that have really stepped up and supported us in some initiatives that were already in the works before the pandemic had started. So in that sense, we've done really well. We have a large OJJDP grant, Office of Juvenile Justice Delinquency Prevention Grant. We're in the third, I want to say third year of it, maybe. It's a three-year grant. It's the second or third year. So with that grant, it allows us to expand the Compere Youth Program Mm -hmm. to 12 other locations across the country. And these were locations that already were running a comp peer program, but some were running the youth program and some were running just the adult program. So some of those ones out of those 12, if they were just running the adult, they added the youth program. If they were running the adult and the youth, then they've added, then they've agreed to serve more youth because of the funding. So we're okay. giving out sub-grants to these 12 locations for three years to get them ramped up so that they start serving more youth who have mental health challenges. The goal is to serve a thousand more youth over three years. We're pretty much on track. I think we're about a year and a half in at this point. So again, those things, those opportunities would have never came just to Buffalo if we were just a one location. Mm-hmm. But because we oversee, we kind of wear two hats here. We're the Buffalo location and then the largest of our affiliates, but we're also the Compure Inc. coordinator site. Um, and we have one staff member who's dedicated just to, towards that of having a relationship okay. with all of our affiliates. So at any given point in time, a lot of the staff are wearing two different hats. So Katie might do a mental health first aid tra- training here in Buffalo, and then we we try to do something for our affiliates 
as well. So the staff all know and the team all knows that you kind of got to always have that double perspective of how we're doing all that. So funding-wise, I don't want to jinx us or anything like that. Right now, (laughs) things are well, and uh, we're preparing for these cuts that we're knowing about. So everybody, all the agencies are kind of hanging on here to see what's going to come out of the federal government on another stimulus package, though that doesn't look very promising as of today. It looks Mm. like this next one's going to get knocked down again. So maybe something might not happen until you know, after the election. So with that, you know, hopefully there'll be dollars that'll come to the states and the states then pass them to the counties and the cities and then that benefits, you know, us directly. But we're very fortunate, very fortunate to be in the situation that we're in because I talked to a lot of other agencies who've had to lay off a lot of folks. Some people uh, are hurting. Yeah, yeah. we have not had to lay anybody off. Actually, we've been, we've been growing. So we've actually added a staff yeah. member in April. Good. In April, a director of marketing and PR, and then we just added another youth engagement coordinator position. So the needs are there, and we have the funding at this point to do it. The foundations were very thankful; have been great to us. Our contributors have been great to us. And a large part of that is, you know, we you know, we really believe in producing solid results, and that's always harder. Well, I feel it's harder for us because sometimes we get viewed as just kind of being the nice agency that creates friendship, uh, and then a lot of folks don't always understand the value of that. It, it kind of gets a you know, kind of little pat on the head. Oh, you're doing a nice thing. <laughs> matching people up with friends. Good job, yeah, champ. Yeah, yeah, go get them. <laughs> but they really don't. Really, if you look at the research that's tied to all that and you forget about mental health for a second, there's research on uh, you know, that of people who are living their 90s and why did they live so long and why are they generally living a higher quality life and a longer life? And it goes through, this is this one research study, it's almost 70 years long. And Bottom line, what it comes down to is those individuals generally have three to four people in their lives through the course of their lives that they can always depend on. Hmm. These relationships, not Facebook friends thing, not thousands of folks like that, but three or four that have always consistently been there and they're active and they're out doing things. The combination of those two things have a higher impact on how long you're going to live and the quality of your life than, believe it or not, if you can look up this study yourself, but it'll show kind of a, a lowering scale of, you know, smoking has maybe this about half as much of an impact on somebody's life, on the length of their life and the quality of their life compared to somebody who has three or four really close hmm. friends. So the value of smoking, drinking, exercise, eating healthy, all have an impact, but not the, as big of an impact as the relationships does. And that's not even talking about mental health. So we try to get that message across to folks. So yeah, we, we match folks with friendship, but here's why it matters. Look what all the research Absolutely. says. Uh, so it's not only gives people a, a higher quality of life, but just a, a longer life and they long, live a happier and longer lives. Well, to piggyback off of that in training, we, we teach the statistic that, you know, if one person one of the biggest protective factors, if not the main protective factors of someone developing a mental health challenge or a potential crisis is having that one person as a support person. doesn't matter who that person is. Most of the time, it's some trusting adult if you're a youth or trusting individual, but that's the the leading protective factor. Um, And so pairing that with kind of what Tim's saying, that one person that you have, which could be your friend that you have through Compeer, you know, is is a, a given protective factor for, you know, that increased mental health challenge or your risk to potentially have a, a crisis. So it's really important. I think about my mom. So we, we got together for Labor Day and my sister's for a picnic. My mom is, uh, she'll be 83 this year. My mom, I, she was sitting right next to me with my brothers and sisters around the table. And, and I go, mom, 
you've never eaten a vegetable, have you? She goes, no, I've never had a vegetable in my entire life. What? I go, Mom, how many years did you smoke? She goes, oh, like 47 years. I started when I was like 17 <laughs> years old. Uh, my dad died 10 years ago. My mom physically and mentally is in better shape than she was 20 years ago. And I said this to the table there is like, you know, the reason for that is that like she's the model we should be found. Mom is super active at 82, 83 years old. She's out there doing things and she has these close knit group of friends, not 30 of them, not 10 of them, like three or four, one being her sister. And they get together at least twice a week. And then she's together with this other person by her staying active and staying healthy. And she does, you know, she does eat healthy and stuff. What's more important is and she's so sharp mentally and everything. And it's still, and physically she's in great shape, way beyond her siblings. Some have passed away already. It's really, I believe it's led to, it's because of what she is focused on around having close relationships. And uh, she's at my sister's on Wednesdays. My, my niece just had two, had a, had a set of twins. And she goes there every Wednesday with my <laughs> sister to help take care of the twins. You you should just see her light up, hold this mm-hmm. four-month-old baby in her hand. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's just, for mentally, that's absolutely, she's doing all the right things, whether she knows it or not. And when mm-hmm. I look at that, I'm like, Mom, you're like, we're always t- <laughs> telling people to eat your vegetables and do these other things. Mom never <laughs> even had a vegetable. Look at her go. Well, like, I mean, we're- I can't believe that. <laughs> she never had, never had a vegetable. She must have been a picky eater. Well, yeah. I, have, I have heard several times over the last few years, and I think it's gained popularity for depression. So a lot of people have found what helps is eating just a red meat diet. Oh, mm. interesting. Yeah, which I can't even imagine. Mm-mm. I cannot imagine eating red meat every day. For her mental health, which is really super strong, a large part of it is because of the things that yeah. she's doing, whether she even knows it or not. Yep. Well, we're such social creatures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we need that. I have I have two people, I would say, that have been with me through hell and have stuck by my side. And I imagine will, no matter what. I'd have to do something pretty drastic. I've had that. I don't, I've never seen it my whole life. I've never seen the point of why well, have 30 friends when you can have two real friends. Solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, people use that term loosely. That's why I tell people, I was like, I don't have, I have two friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually what I tell people. Yeah. Two friends. I mean, because I, I use that word and it's, it's truest form because you need that. You do need that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Sometimes even more imperative than anything else because that's the first thing you're going to go to. Absolutely. This yeah. is my brother. This is my sister. You know, this is my best friend that I can call that have been have been with me. Who's the first person you're going to feel comfortable talking about? That person. And this and it, it kind of goes to the whole teen mental health first aid. You know, a lot of the teens when they're experiencing mental health challenges and crisis, they're not going to their parents and they're not no. going to the school teacher. They're yeah, going to they're going their going friends. To their so if you can empower their friends to be aware uh, when their 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 peer is going through something, all the better. Early intervention, the better. Um, so the well, team we've had a lot of there. friendships in our program that have lasted years. I mean, we only ask for a one year commitment of of a one to one mentor just to you know to build that relationship, mm-hmm. but. I can, we can count on many hands how many relationships that have been going on for 5, 10, 30 years. Yeah. I think we have a couple that are at like 20, 30 years and it all started with Compeer. So it just goes to show, you know, that one that one person is really vital. That's, that's the ultimate goal of the program, what Katie just said there. So yeah, you get matched through us and you didn't know that person and that's great. We kind of are the igniter and we're the spark. But then after that year, it's a true friendship. You don't need us anymore. Yeah, and I mean, most of it, like I think you said, is volunteer, people mm-hmm. who want mm-hmm. to be a part. So it's not even like, hey, I'm paying you to go hang right. out with this person exactly. either. It's, it's like somebody wanted to do this. Yeah. And so it turns that's into how a any true... friendship starts. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know a... you. You don't know me. Let's get to know each <laughs> exactly. other. Absolutely. So yeah, no, that's awesome. And it is. It's such a necessary part. Even during COVID, I've had two friends reach out to me. You know, one was, I think, just about to uh, relapse and he's mm-hmm. like, I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. He, he was just such a gym guy. 
Mm-hmm. You know, he found his through exercise and working out and stuff. And once that all closed down, he really struggled. But and people call you and it's awesome. I've called people when I'm struggling and it's it's great to have that friend and what an important program this is. And it's it's pretty cool. I'm glad it's glad it's happening. We've started this trend to hashtag check on your friends because we think it's is that the hashtag? That's the mm-hmm. hashtag. All check right. on your friends. Because we think it's so important to do just that. Hey, how's it going? Does not have to get super in depth, but giving that call, giving that that text, whatever that communication looks like, it is really important to check on the people in your life, especially because, like you said, COVID has has changed a lot. You know, we're talking about funding and potential cuts and things like that. But at the end of the day, you hope that stuff doesn't get cut because now more than ever, it's going to be yeah. important because of the it's, result it's so of what happened. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't make any sense. See, there's this crazy virus happening. People are really struggling with mental health. I got a great idea. Let's cut money from mental health exactly. treatment providers. Mm-hmm. Good, good job, Bob. I can only imagine <laughs> that meeting. Like, I don't even know who's there at that that meeting, that that table. Like, yeah. Oh, it's a great idea, Paul. We should do that. <laughs> like, oh, it's frustrating mm-hmm. sometimes. It really is. How but, much do you attribute your friends towards your recovery over time? Um, as far as like my mental health and stuff, just kind of yeah, all together, bo- all together. I'd say that was a, probably one of the biggest parts of it, you mm-hmm. know, a little quick, long story short thing. So when everything kind of really finally came out, people were like, all right, something's really wrong here. I was taking my kids back down to Florida and I got back and my best buddy picked me up and the, the, he already knew and he drove me you know, to my parents and my girlfriend was there at the time. And really my friend, he was there from day one. And mm-hmm. I mean, he came to visit me in rehab all the time, picked me. He lived in Niagara Falls. I went to Horizon Village there in Sanborn. So it was, he was right down the street. So he has a studio. We play music and all mm-hmm. that. And um, yeah, he was, he's been there since seventh grade. Okay. Seventh grade. I lost a friend that I couldn't believe because of my addiction Really? Okay. that I never thought that I've known since fifth grade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was like shock. To where I was like, dumb, almost like mad, like I have any right to be mad at him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I kind of was because, it, you know, it, those friendships are important to you. And I didn't sure. think, I knew if the rules were ever reversed, I would have been there. But they're important. And when you find one, one of them is better than a thousand. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever absolutely. people, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I know that guy kind of thing. Yeah, that's my friend. Yeah, I don't use that word lightly. So right. that's mm-hmm. good. Yeah, and I think this is a great program because it is. It's that icing on the cake that I think a lot of people need. Thank you. I mean, that's what we're trying to educate people on because a lot of people, I think, had a perception of Compere as just that nice place, matching mm-hmm. matching friends. Isn't that nice? <laughs> yeah. Look at them. Yeah, look at them go. Isn't that swell? <laughs> yeah, until you understand the true value of it. And a lot of times people don't, it is what it is, they don't understand the value of it until they go through a really, really hard time. If you're you know, if you're listening to this and you haven't gone through a hard time, just wait because mm-hmm. it's coming. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we all go through really, really, really hard times. Even if you think you got everything in life under control, there's a lot of things that happen outside of your control. And that's when you realize how value your friends are, how valuable they are. Yeah, that support system's yeah. huge. That's somebody you can call no matter what. All right, little last round table. When I first started off, I was like stumbling for questions. I was like, if you could tell somebody, if you had five minutes to tell somebody something <laughs> who was struggling with mental health, what would you say? And so I've kept this cheesy tradition going. So we're going to do a round table, whoever wants to go first. But that's how I always kind of end it sometimes. Well, I, I'll, okay. I can go. I would say this is something I believe in, but also something that we you know, push in that training is that always providing hope to to somebody, you know, that you're not alone, that you can get through this, that you don't have to feel this way forever. There's people, there's things out there that can uh, support you in that. Talking a lot about mental health and all the 
the problems and the the bad signs and symptoms that you see all can be really negative. But at the end of the day, you know, as as a mental health first aider or anybody in in the world, you can provide that hope to recovery for whatever they're experiencing. And it's completely normal to not ever feel like you've you're cured from a mental health problem, <laughs> right? It's not like a uh, an illness or a, a, a diagnosis that you could potentially be cured from. Mm-hmm. It's something that you could and probably will live with in recovery for the rest of your life, but that c- recovery is is possible and it's it's possible for everyone. That's what I would say. <laughs> That's great. <The laughs> yeah, question, follow that one, Tim. Yeah, thanks, Katie. I knew I should have <laughs> went first. <laughs> uh, you know, something I tell a lot of people and, and being in the field now, I have a lot of people who never would have opened up, a lot of, a lot of friends uh, mm-hmm. who, who would have never opened up to me before who do open up to me now, who just know that, the, you know, the field that I'm in. And I'm just thinking in my head without naming any folks or anything, that one person I consistently tell, there's things that you can be doing for your own mental health before you even go see a doctor. I goes, you know, some basic thing. Get outside and exercise. Eat healthy. Sleep is so important. Get on a routine of sleep. And it's easy to get away from it during COVID. You know, people mm-hmm. lost their jobs. They're staying up all night. You know, they're, they're, there's no sense of morning and night. Those things contribute Guilty. so negative. <laughs> Those things could sit because it contributes so negatively towards your own personal mental health. For me personally, I, I came in every day during the COVID thing, not because I had to, but because it was good for my mental health. If mm-hmm. I got up and just went to the couch or went to the to the table and just started doing work, it, it wouldn't be as purposeful for me to get up, get dressed, get out of the house, get here to work. That really helped my own personal mental health. So I try to stick to a routine as much as possible. So that's that's a big thing that I tell people. I, it's more of a check. Like, have you been doing these things? Tell me about your sleep patterns. Tell me mm-hmm. about what you're eating. Tell you're getting outside exercise. Sunshine means so much. Just go for a walk. Mm-hmm. There's some really basic things that you can do that can really help with that. Try that for a while. Turn off the TV. Stop watching all the drama that's on TV oh. and politics mm-hmm. and all the other stuff. All that's going to do is, is is make you even worse and think there is no hope many times. <laughs> yep. uh, right? So uh, <laughs> there's things that you can control on your own. Outside of that, if that continues to escalate, obviously, then you do need to go talk to someone. But the hope thing is, is a big thing in that. A big thing I let folks know is that what you're experiencing, please don't think you're alone. There's, there's so many more people that experience the same thing that no one's talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is very normal what you're going through, and you're going to have peaks and valleys. Sometimes you're going to be having great days when you get everything under control, but you know you're going to have some bad days as well, and that's normal. I think normalizing it, I think, is really important because people, when they're going through it, you just see this dark tunnel, and you think there's no way out. Yeah. And so when that's all you're you're going through, um, that's all you think, and so you're not even thinking rationally anymore. So understanding that taking one day at a time, getting you know, that there is hope. Talk to somebody, talk to me, whoever you need to talk to, somebody close to your friends. So building that support system with them and giving them that hope. But, you know, I find a a big part is circling back with folks. That's a personal thing of mine. So a lot of folks think, you know, you give them the, 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 uh, the medication, quote unquote, and the remedy of how to fix your life and what you need to do, you just turn them loose and, and expect them to do that. What happens a lot of times, they start going down that road and they fail a lot of times. You need to go back in and check on your friends, as Katie said. Mm-hmm. I won't go into any details but, you know, around any of this other, but, you know, I, I know somebody close to me in the, the last couple of years who, who completed suicide. You knew this person. Um, you would never expected that. And that's the, de- that's the deceit of what a lot of people are going through. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's the happiest person that's having the hardest time. And so there is no hard and fast rule around all that. You can think the, the quiet person is the one that's really struggling. Maybe they're the ones that really have it all together. Mm-hmm. So there is no, I guess, uh, clear answer to who's struggling, who's not struggling, because you don't know what's going on. 
in a lot of people's minds. So I think being there for folks and circling back with them, I think is really important because a lot of folks, once they start opening up about their mental health challenges, that says a lot that they trust you to do that. And it's kind of a cry for help. Uh, What are you going to do to help me at this point in time? But circling back and going back to them and seeing how they're doing on a regular basis, I think is really important. But you really have to own it. You know, I think you have to own own your own mental health and, and know the things you need to do. And obviously we're in the field, so we know a lot more about it, but helping people to really see that there are some simple, basic things you can do if those aren't working, then go to the next step. Go see a counselor, reach out to some other folks. But there's some of this is really you can control on your own just by habits of, of your life. Yeah, well, it's like I think we, we feel like we know ourselves. And when we don't have any idea, a clue about anything about ourselves, because we don't ever watch ourselves. And that's one thing that I always try to tell people is if you just watch yourself like you're a complete stranger, you'll start learning so many things about yourself. I mean, I know what my favorite food is and my favorite color is, but I don't know why I react emotionally to this in a certain way. And when you get curious Mm -hmm. and you start figuring out and you start finding things, I think you add vulnerability to that. There's something just so beautiful about that. And I mean, and then friendships. Right. I think that's a huge piece of what we all need. I think we need more of. I think a lot of people are struggling to find ways to get along with their mental health challenges because they don't really even know what they're struggling with. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. So you got to find it and name it first. And then, and then as you said, Tim, you know, just basic things like get up and walk. I work at a computer a lot and I know when like, all right, I got to get up and move because I'm getting tired. My eyes are hurting. I'm feeling frustrated. And just sometimes a simple walk helps. So yeah, I think there are some basic, obviously that's not the answer for everything, but I think it's a great place to start. You got to give yourself a fighting chance, Mm -hmm. you know, diet, sleep, routine. I am so terrible since COVID (laughs) hit. I was up up till 3.30 editing last night. Really? (laughs) Yep. Yep, At least it was up. productive. I had, yeah, my, <laughs> most of my time is productive. It's a crazy schedule, though. I'm all over the place since COVID. <laughs> I'm getting a little better now that I'm going, getting back out and about, so I'm kind of getting a little better routine. But yeah. when like everything was shut down again, I was terrible. I was up till yep. four in the morning just doing stuff on the computer. Well, you're not Fuck. alone, right? We're, re- we're providing that. We're not alone, yeah. not alone in that. There's a lot of people out there like I've been that. Up at four in the morning. That. Oh, yeah. So how do people find you, get a hold of you if they want to volunteer? I mean, I'm going to put all that in the description of this when it's published. Well, Katie, but- take that one. Yeah. So <laughs> you can uh, to become a volunteer and honestly to contact about mental health first aid training too. everything's on our website. Uh, so that's compeerbuffalo.org. Uh, you'll find a um, inquiry form and an application to become a volunteer that goes directly to our director of volunteer engagement. So she, she'll handle all of that through there. You can learn more about us and see exactly what we do um, in writing on there. If you're interested, you know, put that application in. And then we also have a, a mental health first aid you know, link up there with my contact information to schedule a training or, and we have a calendar on there to attend a community training. We have them scheduled throughout the rest of the year right now. Um, We do offer, you know, one youth curriculum and one adult curriculum a month for free right now. So it's an easy way to, it's all virtual. So it's an easy way to, to get involved all right on our website and you can go from there. Sweet. Awesome. And you guys, what social media platforms you guys on? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I think it's the big ones right now. Yeah. The the trio. Still building, still building our presence on there. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Thank you guys. Thank you for having us so much. This was great. Thank you very much. All right. We are signing off.